All right, all right. I, I want to first apologize uh, a little bit. I feel like I wasn't completely on my A game. I don't know. I got some stuff going on. Uh, my head wasn't where it should have been. Uh, I was tired. Uh, excuse, 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 excuse. <laughs> but, uh, man, the guest was awesome. Richard Caprioli, he wrote uh, the author of The Addicted Child, a great book. Pick it up. It's like 100 pages. If I mean, if you don't know anything about uh, adolescent addiction and that type of thing, it, it's it is it's great. You'll love it. And it's a quick read. Uh, so go pick up the book, listen to this episode, and please let me know what you think. Brendan at dadsww.com. Enjoy the show. Dads Worldwide. Why? The first word in family management, family budgeting, insurance, bills, food, vacations, research and development, homework, emails, phone calls. Last week we tried to do an oil change and ended up with a new car. Security. Doors are locked. Windows shut. House alarm is set. Fingerless gloves. Dads worldwide. Loyal listeners, possibly you. Welcome to another episode of Dads Worldwide. I am Brendan, and uh, tonight's guest, uh, he worked 30 years in the Illinois State Board of Education, most recently spent 11 years as an addiction counselor for the Menninger Clinic, where he specialized in the assessment, stabilization, and treatment of adults and adolescents with substance abuse and psychiatric disorders. I, this is the most formal inter, uh, intro I've ever had, just so you know, Richard. Uh, and he is the author of the book that we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, The Addicted Child. Uh, Richard, welcome to the show. Richard Capriola. Thank you so much for inviting me here to, uh, to, to visit with you and to talk about this uh, very important topic. Uh I'm, I know you went back and listened to all 173 episodes that I have, Richard. So I'm not gonna, I'm not, not gonna, not I'm not gonna not quiz yet. you. I'm not gonna quit. No, I would, I would never even, I would never even encourage anyone to even try that. Um, but uh, especially the earlier ones. But we did, we did have a couple of, uh, and we did have a couple of episodes on addiction. So I want to go over those a little bit with you. But then uh, first off, Richard, most importantly, is a father. And a grandfather as well, huh? You got four? I have uh, four. That's correct. Four. Whew, fantastic. Uh, I can't wait for that time. I really can't. Like, I'm I'm, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of my, my in-laws and my, my parents as well. So uh, you get to shake up the kids and then send them off to mom and dad. So <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so uh, Richard was kind enough to uh, uh, agree to answer the dad question. So I'm... I'm going to start it off. It's the one that I always do. Uh, what what has your, been your proudest dad moment? Well, I think my proudest dad moment, um, aside from the moment my son was actually born, which uh, uh, I think was probably the most exciting, most proud uh, moment of my entire life was when he was actually born and I was there at the time. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think, the other proud moment was to, to see him uh, um, grow up into the young man that he is. He's a paramedic now. Awesome. Uh, and I, I think uh, just seeing him evolve and grow into that manhood was, was one of the proudest uh, times of my life. 
Fantastic. All right. Now we get on to some of the other questions. <laughs> um, what skill would you like to master? I'd what, like to what master skill? the skill of being able to um, interpret people a little bit better than what I can do now to, to understand and sort of interpret what, what's going on inside that head of theirs with some of the things that, uh, that come out of their mouth. Now, I would guess that you're pretty darn good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, from experience, yes, I've gotten better through the years, but you know, there's, there's always more to learn and more skill to develop no matter how good you are. Yes. It, uh, it, it can be it, I was in law enforcement for a little while and uh, so I, I got that version of the substance uh, abuse uh, poor, yeah. you know part of life and uh, so you get really good at interviewing people but you, you just you're never a hundred percent you're never a hundred percent telling people if they're lying or really what their motivations are so I, I, I I'm with you on that one I, I would like to master that skill as well so all right. Uh, what's been the most important thing that your father has passed on to you? Well, my father died when I was very young. I was around nine years old when he oh, passed away. So my my experience with him, uh, unfortunately, was, was not for that long a period of time. But I do have memories of him. And, and some of the fondest memories I have is even at that young age, just, uh, you know, doing things with him. I remember riding in the car with him. I remember going to his business. And uh, so those memories are, are still, you know, very much. In, in, in my mind and uh, things that uh, uh, give me pleasure to, to think about. Excellent. Was there a was there a father figure after he was gone that was able to pick up the reins for you or? Not really. Uh, no, not really. Oh uh, no. Well, that explains maybe the high school thing, huh? Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> it, 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 it might. I, I was just I was just one of these kids that that hated high school. I I, I really didn't like high school at all. Uh, so we're, what we're talking about is Richard dropped out of high school a junior, a junior in high school, right? And uh, yeah, I'm also jealous of him for that because I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to bail on high school as well too. So my <laughs> my parents, however, would not let me. So um, yeah, and that's probably wise. Uh, yeah, back, probably back a long yeah. long time ago when 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 this was uh, going on and I dropped out at that time, uh, I was able to actually drop out of high school and enroll in a community college. Uh, so um, That's awesome. I, found, I found college life to be completely different than high school life. I sort of enjoyed being in college. I begged to, uh, I would I said, I'll, I'll take my GED. I just want to, I want to learn a trade. I want to get out into the workforce. I just want to, I, I, I despised high school, despised yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I did too. Yeah. I did too. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then I don't, you know, and I, my best friend loved it. Loved it. He had a great time. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? All right. Uh, what, I guess, what's one childish thing that you still enjoy doing? Uh, I still enjoy playing with my dog. I always had a dog when I, a dog yeah. when I was growing up, uh, uh, and I, and I, I still love them and I still enjoy playing with them. Yeah different one than when you grew up that goes back to childhood (laughs) yeah i I said different one than when you grew up right not the same dog yeah (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. unfortunately uh yeah uh uh all right uh what what's uh one thing you hope your son learns from you 
Um, I guess um, the ability to uh, be patient. Uh, I'm not always patient, uh, but I've gotten better at it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I would I would want him to get the gift of, of, of patience. Excellent. Yeah. I'm still working on this. You told, you're, you're told growing up that it's a virtue and you don't understand why until <laughs> much significant, like most things that your parents tell you or someone tells you, you don't know. Yeah, right. yeah. You don't understand. You don't understand until later. <laughs> um, what high level job do you think you could lie your way into? And no one would notice. High level up, probably being a politician. Yeah, you know? <laughs> just, I feel like you know that's like Nobody one of those ones. That was like, they dude. Don't any, voters don't listen anyway. They just go on instinct, and you can tell them pretty much anything, and they'll go along with it. Just for that answer alone, Richard, you've always got a home here at Dad's World. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true. I yeah, politician like it's just like that's just a given and you know honestly i think that's only the second time we've gotten that answer <laughs> you know like i was like really so uh yeah they people don't listen and it, even if they do catch you lying they don't it doesn't don't it doesn't seem to matter <laughs> yeah they're still there half of them they're still there oh my goodness all right I, let's go one more question uh well one more serious one more uh silly question here uh one piece of advice that you would give to uh, you know what? I'm going to change it up. I usually say new dads. I'm going to say new grandfathers. What's the what's the uh, one piece of advice you get to new grandfathers? It's the same advice I would give to any parent, whether they're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, especially when it comes to uh, working with uh, their children. Um, and that is to work on listening skills. Um, we can all become better listeners. You know, when we talk to each other, we're, we're really good at listening to each other's words. We can do that pretty well. But what we're not so good at, unfortunately, is listening to the feelings behind the words. So if there's one skill that a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle can learn uh, is to practice the skill of listening so that when we're talking to our children or our grandchildren or nephews or nieces, we're not just hearing their words, we're hearing the feelings behind those words. Very well said. And the best answer we've got for that question, for sure. All right, here we go. Uh, last one. Toilet paper mounted over or under? I could care less. One way oh, or the come other. Come on. Both. It's just whatever, however it goes in at the time I'm changing it, that's the way it is. I don't even think about it. I just put it in there, and it's, if it goes one way, fine. If it goes the other way, that's fine, too. Oh my goodness! I mean, I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling like I'm almost gonna revoke your permission slip at this point. All right, um, <laughs> uh, no, that was great. Thank you, Richard. All right, uh, I let's just jump right into the book here. I guess. Well, actually, why don't I? So uh, I had two. Uh, we had two people on the show, and at the time, my my co-host Jim, uh, and the f the first one was a high school friend that we. Uh, a high school friend who had some issues in her adult life. Uh, obviously they started, you know, earlier, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when not so much when she said she was in high school, but later in life and alcohol was her drug of choice. And, uh, it took her 50 interventions or, uh, detoxes, uh, before, uh, she finally found someone that, that really, helped her yeah uh and 
and one thing that I, I like about your book it, one it was straight and to the point there's no fluff I I can't stand books that want to help you but they just add too much fluff into it it's just there's no fluff you're straight to it and, and I, I think so uh, Janelle my friend who came on the show she needed to address the mental illness part of it and she was never getting that through all 50 or 49 of the places that she went it was all just stop drinking don't do it don't do it don't do it and yep. in your book you just write hit into it like you, with the assessments and everything you have to get your brain checked because that's really uh, that's that's part of it that's simply part of it uh and uh, so I, I guess uh, has was that uh, well the hospital that you worked at was a psychiatric hospital as well, right? That's correct. A, yeah. So th that they, they've I guess I'm guessing they've always been doing this. Have they always been a substance abuse as well? Yeah, they've been a, what we call a dual diagnosis where they treat both uh, psychiatric or mental health issues as well as uh, substance abuse issues. Now, what uh, you went from a state board of education job to a. Uh, uh, mental health, uh, substance abuse. <laughs> you you went uh, you went left field. What uh, convinced <laughs> you? What convinced you to uh, to to take that that route? Well, before I retired from education, <clears throat> I was working part time at a mental health crisis center, and we would take people in from the emergency rooms, and they would stay in the crisis center for a week or longer, and we would give them, uh, you know, services and counseling and, and try to help them. And I noticed that a, a large percentage of them had not only a mental health crisis they were struggling with, but also a substance abuse uh, issue. So I went back to the University of Illinois and obtained a master's degree in what is basically addictions counseling. And then was offered a job at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, to be an addictions counselor for both adolescents and adults. So I, I went to work for Menninger. I worked there for about 11 years, treating both adolescents and uh, and adults who were diagnosed with both mental health and substance abuse issues. Wow. And I guess what uh, what was your? I don't I don't know how to say this. It's, uh, it's going to sound wrong. But uh, as far as adults go and uh, kids go, who were who were more receptive to change? Well, I, first of all, adolescents. You know, I never I never met an adolescent, a teenager that wanted to come into the hospital voluntarily. They all came in angry and upset and bar trying to bargain and 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 talk their ways out of uh, way out of coming into the hospital, uh, and their parents to their credit, held the ground and, and, and admitted them. And then I, I, I watched them sort of get into the into the process and, and grow and develop through it and, and, and make some remarkable progress. So I think, you know, for both adolescents and adults coming into treatment, uh, admitting that you have a problem, being willing to get help for mental health or substance abuse is, is really a challenge. And and, and I think it, 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 it is something that um, they need to grow into acceptance with and begin to recognize that they really want to have some help. Uh, yeah. So for both adolescents and adults, that's a that's a that's a tough road to go, at least initially. Yeah. I just think of uh, the kids, and you mentioned this in your book, that they're devious. They want to keep stuff from their, their parents. They're going to. This is going to be one tough nut to crack. And it does scare me as a you know a father of three. Uh, that's one of those things that it, it, it does frighten me. There's a lot of stuff out there, and the access is only getting easier. 
Well, one of the reasons that that I wrote the book was uh, so many times, so many times I would sit across from a family and I would go through their child's history of using a substance, you know, how early they had started, what drugs they were using and how often they were using and and give them a diagnosis of a substance uh, use disorder. And they would look across at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they would say something like, well, I sort of knew something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. Now, these are good parents. These are very good parents doing the best job that they can. They, they were caught off guard and they were surprised because they missed the warning signs. And they missed the warning signs because nobody ever told them what to look for. So that's why in my book, warning signs are a big component of what I wanted to help parents understand, that they know the warning signs, that they don't look back and say to themselves, how did I miss these warning signs? What kind of a parent am I? How did I do such a bad job? How did I miss these warning signs well they missed the warning signs because nobody ever told them what to look for that's true yeah and then uh uh, you know if you've never had a teenager before you don't know what's the norm right so you're just watching your child do its thing and you're just like well maybe that's what else maybe that's what all the kids are doing i don't know exactly and you begin to see that some of these uh um odd behaviors are you begin to question well is this just normal adolescent acting out behavior or is this something i should be concerned of because you know parents aren't psychologists they're not psychiatrists they don't they don't know all of the things that they should that they should be looking for um and that's why in my book i recommend well if you're concerned that your child might be using a substance, get a comprehensive assessment. Let the experts sort this out for you and, and, and either rule in or rule out if a diagnosis is appropriate. Rule in or rule out if in addition to substances, your child is struggling with some type of psychological issue like anxiety or depression um, and, and let them guide you in terms of, of, of what the next steps should be. Yeah, and I can I can see it from the parents' point of view where they're just like, uh, well, it's not that bad. We don't need to go get the doctors involved, yeah. right? Like I can see that kind of working into someone's brain, you know, just, uh, I don't know. It's not that bad. You know, it's not that bad. Or, I mean, I guess that's the denial you know, set again, you know, and then, and then, and then unfortunately in too many cases, it, it develops into a crisis and sometimes a life threatening one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now the second person we had on the show, uh, her daughter, uh, which they had no idea was using and, um, and, uh, it, it went full crisis mode, uh, for quite a long time. And, um, and she ended up passing away. Uh, so it, it was, uh, they, I mean, once they figured it out, well, they, they had no idea. And then they tried to give her help and just like everyone, they, you know, multiple times and detox and stuff like that and, and thought she was getting better. And it just didn't, it didn't end well for them, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, but even like just discussing it with her, I could, you know in the beginning I, I could see myself and her just being like i had no idea I talk to my kid all the time but i had no idea you know she just uh, she was acting a little different here and there but yeah so that's why it worries me so much because you just uh uh 
you know, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know the notice those subtle changes, but you do give a good list as far as, uh, you know, taking a look at things, you know, change in peer group, carelessness with grooming, uh, decline in academic performance, missing classes, skipping school, quite a few different other ones. So, uh, what I I usually say to parents, in addition to the warning signs I have in my book is, is pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. You know your child better than anyone. Pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. Uh, Don't assume that these are just normal acting out adolescent behaviors. They may very well be that, but they might be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface. So pay attention to the changes that you see in your child um, and, 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 and stay on top of those. If, if Now, if those some of those changes come and go fairly quickly, it's probably not too concerning. But if they tend to linger on and then you begin to see more and more of these changes, um, then I think it might be where, uh, where you want to get some professional assessments done to see what's going on. Uh, Some examples would be a child whose grades are starting to decline. A child who used to participate in sports and extracurricular activities now has no desire or interest in in participating in activities. Uh, A child who uh, used to be very outgoing and very talkative now becomes very quiet and and very secretive. A child who used to uh, introduce you to their friends now becomes very secretive of who their friends are and very secretive about where they've been and what they've been doing. These are just some examples of changes that as a parent, you need to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. I think of myself a lot when uh, I was reading the book uh, and uh, the stuff that I would do to go you know, have a couple beers or something like that, you know? And, and I'm like, I was like, I, I, it's good that I didn't act out too much more than I did. Uh, it could have gone, could have gone sideways, but, uh, um, but uh you know like i said being devious and you know just lying to my parents in general i wanted to get away with it so i was sleeping at so-and-so's house and we weren't really sleeping at their house you know so it's tough it's tough when you're being lied to i think and that's uh i i think uh parents need to give themselves a, a little bit of slack when it comes to that so yeah uh, but i think another issue that uh unfortunately often often gets overlooked is we tend to focus on the alcohol or the drug use and and in too many cases we miss the underlying psychological issue that is often driving the child into using a substance so we focus on the child using a drug smoking marijuana drinking alcohol whatever it may be and all of the attention and all of the focus goes on the substance abuse and what sort of gets off of the radar what goes underneath the surface is in too many in in many cases that child is struggling with a mental health issue that they're using the substance to medicate Uh, the the example that i can give you is that uh, when I was at Menninger Clinic and and I was working with teenagers who were smoking marijuana and they were smoking a lot of marijuana multiple times a day. When I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking so much marijuana, the number one answer that came back was it helps me with my anxiety. It helps me with my anxiety. So for some kids, not all kids, but for some kids, there may be an underlying emotional, psychological reason why that child is using a substance 
Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's trauma that's, that, that the parents uh, didn't know about, being bullied at school, whatever. And unfortunately, it often goes undiagnosed. Um, and, 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 and the child is, is really suffering and trying to deal with those emotional issues by turning to a substance to get the relief that they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, and that was another thing in your book. I think that uh, you went into detail uh, enough about the drugs, I thought, which was great. Uh, because for people that don't know uh, a lot about drugs other than, you know, alcohol and marijuana, Mm -hmm. uh it it's i'm not saying it's a guidebook but at least it gives them a general idea of what this stuff is and what it does what it does right. to your brain what the you know and especially uh get, oh and you went into brain health which is i mean huge i mean the kids are you know forming their brain up until they're about 25 and the last thing they need to be doing is dosing themselves with hallucinogens. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, wanted, I wanted parents to have a basic understanding of how these drugs work in the brain. Um, the main message being that the adolescent brain is in, in the process of maturing and developing and, and gets our brains get developed around age 24, 25. So it's very important to protect that adolescent developing brain. Um, and the other thing I wanted to do is just give them a brief overview of the street drugs that are out there, like you mentioned. You yeah, know, parents are aware of alcohol and marijuana, but they may not be aware of some of these other drugs that are out there that kids have access to. And these kids do have access to those drugs. Oh, yeah. I So, so that was a law enforcement officer. And someone's, someone's like, oh, yeah, she's got Molly. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like, what? She's got what? Where is she? Where is Molly? Yeah. Where is she? Where, where, her, name's Mo her name's not Molly. I know her. <laughs> no, she has Molly. I'm like, oh, I don't know oh. what that is. <laughs> Ooh, that was that was an embarrassing conversation to say the least. Well, the, you know, there's there's two things that are that 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 are driving the substance abuse that we see out there in the adolescent population. And the first one is av availability. These drugs are widely available and these kids know it. So when we ask high school seniors, how easy is it to get marijuana? 85% of them tell us it's no big deal. When we ask them, how easy, easy is it for you to get alcohol? 90% of them tell us that's yeah, no big deal. So it's a, the, the drugs are available and the kids know it. The other issue is harmfulness. These kids don't think these drugs are harmful. Only 22% of high school se seniors, only 22% tell us that they think that smoking marijuana regularly is harmful. And only about 22% of high school seniors tell us that having a drink of alcohol once or twice nearly every day is harmful. So you got the drugs readily available kids know it and they don't think they're harmful but how how do they get away with it every day like i don't i, I my parents were i mean they weren't up my rear end but i mean they i just i can't imagine i couldn't smoke anything they would know it um you know what i mean like i was just i i, I mean i guess maybe their home life uh, they're obviously their home life is not mine but like the kids smoking marijuana mul multiple times a day i mean how do they go home and their parents not know that you know what i mean that that to me is 
these, these kids are very clever. I guess so. If they're not smoking at home, they're smoking at school. They're going into, you know, different areas of the school. They're smoking before school. They're smoking after school. Not every kid. Some some kids may just be smoking marijuana maybe once or twice a week. Others might be using it every day or multiple times a day. Um, but, you know, it's why it's so important for parents to be aware of the warning signs, to know yeah. what to look for because uh, kids are clever. They know how to cover this stuff up. Yeah. Um, you know, I had I had one young man who was drinking alcohol from the family liquor cabinet. And he was he was a smart young guy. You know, he'd go into the liquor cabinet. He'd hunt for the vodka because it's clear. And uh, he would take just what he wanted and he would replace it with water. Uh, and it took the parents a long time to catch on to on, on what he was doing. Well, eventually he's just going to be drinking water. <laughs> eventually if he goes through the whole bottle yeah. or, I don't know yeah. how many bottles of vodka they had but, yeah uh, yeah maybe they are connoisseurs connoisseurs of vodka um but uh, uh yeah i i may have done that as well but uh, not as much not like every day like, you know you know no no they don't do it every day yeah, the other yeah. thing they're very good at is getting into the medicine cabinet too so oh, if you're a yeah. parent and you have prescription or prescribed drugs at home yeah. and you have a teenager or an adolescent there you need to make sure that those are secure because kids will get into those too Oof. i guess uh that was that that seems like a Oh, that's scary. That's very scary. So, what what is it other than drugs and uh, uh, drugs other than alcohol and marijuana? Because you said that those are kind of the most common things. What yeah. what was the next uh, what was the next runner up for uh, for most uh, used? I think the most alarming thing that has been going on in the last four or five years has been this epidemic of what is called vaping where kids will take a vaping instrument uh like a like a pen uh and they will um uh they will uh use uh marijuana or nicotine and it and it turns it into a vapor and then they inhale it mm -hmm. well prior to the academic for about three years prior to the academic uh teenage vaping was surging uh, the percentage of, of, of teenagers that were turning to vaping nicotine and marijuana was just surging for three years prior to the pandemic. So, um, you know, alcohol, marijuana, and vaping, I think, are the three substances that, um, that teenagers are using the most often. You know, some of the other drugs, uh, you know, probably less than 5% of teenagers, yeah. uh, some, some prescription drug abuse, things like that. But alcohol and marijuana and vaping uh, are, are the primary substances that teenagers were, were using and vaping, like I said, prior to the pandemic, was going through the roof. Now, the pandemic had an interesting uh, uh, thing going on. <laughs> During the pandemic year, uh, which was 2021, there was a significant drop in, in, in substance abuse among teenagers. The opposite effect with mental health, mental yeah. health went through the roof, yeah. but, but uh, substance abuse declined significantly. Now, we'll have new data that comes out shortly after the new year that will be able to tell us now the kids got back into their regular school routine and the academic uh, process, whether or not in uh, 2022 that decline that we saw in 21 did it remain did it stabilize or did substance use increase in 2022 now that we moved out of the pandemic 
I want to see the data on their parents that had to stay home with them. That's How probably much? the mental health crisis. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Everyone's mental health went screwball for a couple of years there. Uh, for adolescents, for the yeah. 10 years prior to the pandemic, we'd already known that there was a, 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 a serious crisis with teenage mental health, and the pandemic just shot it through. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what your opinion is. My opinion is uh, I think uh, the phones and social media are – because it, it's it's being studied, but we're in its infancy I think it's going to be the next mental health, the like the big problem because kids kids are doing nothing but hanging out on their phones, and you know their self <laughs> their self esteem is linked to their likes and their and their you know photos and their friends' photos and the bullying happening over the. I mean, I, it's it it's just awful. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because sometimes I do one of these interviews um, uh, and I'll be glad to come back and, and, and talk to you about this if, yeah. if you would like. But uh, I, I do an interview that I sort of title, um, you know, um, social media and, and teens sort of trends and tips for parents. Oh, yeah. Where I, where I talk about, uh, you know, the different uh, social media applications that teenagers are using. Uh, I talk about what uh, the cyber experts recommend as the appropriate age for a child to be using some of these applications. Yeah. And then I and then I go over some of the uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, research that was done on how these applications are affecting teenagers, particularly teenage girls. So I'd be, I'd be glad to come back if you'd like, and we can have that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, that was, and I was glad you, you actually went over it in your book um, uh, as what it was in one of the process disorders. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And uh, cause I was like, I'm going to mention, I know cause it, it just, I see it. I see it in my uh, friends, kids. I see it. Um, and then I just see it, it. I mean, our kids are young enough. We don't give them electronics, you know, solely for the purpose of just fooling around on apps. Um, it's strictly yeah. educational or they watch TV a little bit, but we were pretty strict with the screen time. Uh, and the problem I see is I see it in myself though. When, um, I get a notification for a text or I get like, I have to answer it or, you know, I get a phone call. I have to answer it. I have to look at it. I have to, you know, I'm I, like, even myself, like I'm, you know, obviously not a teenager anymore, but I, I see it in myself, this, uh, this, just this need. Um, and I've gotten better where I'm just kind of ignore it. Uh, especially what, while I'm working because I'm, I'm trying to work, I'm trying to get stuff done and, you know, it's constantly interrupting me. So. Um, I've turned all my notifications off at some point during the day. So, but I see it in myself. And so I can only imagine uh, someone who is significantly younger, who is getting these notifications and these, uh, and these likes, and they just like their, their peer groups are all like, Oh, how many did you get? How many did you get? You know? And I can see how it just snowballs, you know? And, uh, and it does worry me. Uh, but, uh, I think that's, uh, I, I mean, Obviously, drugs have been around for a long time. They're not going anywhere. They're always going to be a problem, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how it, it parents become extremely responsible and and don't give their kids access to any of this stuff. And uh, stores don't, you know, like, wh like what would have to happen that they do not have access to these things? You know, it would, it's virtually impossible at this point, I would think, right? 
It, 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 yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're, not so. take, you're not going to take drugs off the street and get rid of them. You're, Kids it's are not always going to have access to them. Yeah. And the same with so, social media. It's it's out there. It's, it's not going, going anywhere. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess let's... So as far as the treatments go, uh, there's... There's not a ton, right? <laughs> like, so, but you do have to, you, you recommend getting an assessment, a full assessment and yes. going in, uh, going through and really focusing on, uh, well, it was multi-tiered, right? It's not just one thing. You got to address everything. I, I think it all starts with what I refer to as a comprehensive assessment. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at the alcohol or the drug use. Um, you need to get, you know, a, a good psychological assessment done to see if there's any of these underlying issues like anxiety, depression, um, you know, trauma, maybe a, emerging personality disorders, um, anything else going on underneath the surface. Uh, the goal is to get a comprehensive assessment, which which identifies the issues, which then leads to a treatment plan and recommendations. And, and every, everybody is different. Every, every diagnosis is different. Every treatment plan is different. But that treatment plan really becomes the guide on, on what you do next. You know, do you, what kind of treatment is going to be best for your child? Uh, is, is your child going to do well with outpatient treatment or, or intensive outpatient treatment? Or are the, are the issues so severe that uh, the best option is what we would call a residential treatment program where the child will go away for a number of months to get treatment? Um, and, 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 and what type of treatment, dual diagnosis treatment is appropriate for a child that is suffering from both a substance use disorder and a mental health disorder because you have to treat both. It doesn't do me a lot of good to treat a child who's smoking marijuana for anxiety if I just focus on the marijuana and I can't help that child's, uh, uh, you know, anxiety. Yeah. Now, is this the same approach that they use for adults? Yes. Yes, it's the same approach. Uh, you know, if you have an adult that uh, is is drinking alcohol or using marijuana or using cocaine or any any illicit substance, you want to get a comprehensive assessment. You you probably already know about the substance use because that's that's obvious. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's why you're products. there. That's why you're there. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. you're there. Yeah, but. And unfortunately, sometimes that's all that gets treated. Well, we'll just take care of this and it'll solve the rest of the problems. No, not necessarily. You need to do a comprehensive assessment to see if there's anything else going on. Because if there is something else going on, you better treat that too. You can't just treat the drug or the alcohol use and ignore the trauma or the depression or the anxiety or whatever else is going on in their life. You need to treat the entire uh, the entire individual. And that's why I was asking uh, my friend, as I told you, my friend was went through about fifty uh, rehabs, and you know, finally the last one, w- w- you know, address her your mental issues, and uh, they figured stuff out, and you know, she's be- significantly better off, and she's you know stayed off alcohol. So, you know, that's why I was wondering, like, why did it take fifty for her? Where they were just like treating the alcohol, and they're not treating her you know, exactly. mental disorder. Exactly. And, but, and that's unfortunate that she has to go through those many trial and errors, yeah, those awful. many different treatments and relapses and relive this experience over and over and over again. Uh, when a good comprehensive assessment uh, might have, might have uh, uncovered 
all the other issues that she was struggling with. You know, people aren't stupid. Uh, you know, they, they, they're not taking drugs because they're stupid. They're taking drugs in, in many cases to relieve uh, an intolerable thought or feeling or memory that none of us like having. I mean, we're not going to sit with those intolerable thoughts and feelings and memories. We're going to find a way to get rid of them. Yeah. And, and sometimes that, that solution comes in the form of a drug or alcohol. Yikes. All right, Richard. Well, I uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed your book. Uh, as I said, straight to the point, and uh, I, and that's what I like. I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be babied. I just want to be told what's going on. And you definitely, you, you definitely, you definitely did that. I do appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank um, you. So uh, I guess uh, I'll give you the last word. And uh, where can people find your book? Uh, people can find my book on Amazon, uh, or they can go to the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. Uh, there they can read book reviews, endorsements, they can read a sample chapter, uh, they can uh, go to the link that will take them directly to Amazon. The, uh, the, the book is available as a Kindle for people who like to read on their Kindle. It's also available in, in a paperback, um, and I kept it to a around 100 pages because I know parents are busy. They don't have time to read volumes of information. Um, so hopefully, um, if, if they buy the book and they read it, uh, you know, if they buy the paperback, they can put it on their bookshelf. Uh, they may not need it now, but at least, you know, they'll become a little bit better informed about what to look for uh, and what to do if, if they're faced with this. Um, or if they, they, they know a family that could use it, they could loan it out to them too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I don't need it right now. I mean, my kid, my oldest is 10. So, you know, like, <laughs> I hope I wouldn't need it right now. Jeez. But uh, it's, it's never too early to become, pre become prepared, prepared, you know, what the warning signs For are sure. and just feel more confident that if you have to deal with this issue, you hope you never do, but just feel less, less afraid and, and more confident that if you have to deal with this issue, you're prepared to deal with it. Yeah. Yes. True. <laughs> It still frightens the hell out of me, but yeah. <laughs> it's a scary topic for it any is. parent. It's, it is. And unfortunately. It's an unknown. Um, it's an unknown because there's nothing, you, you can't control it. You can you can tell the kids all about how bad it is for your system, how bad it is for your brain, how bad it is for, you know, your growth and all the stuff because I know because I was told all this stuff they don't, and they I didn't listen. listen. To any of that. No, no, they're you not going to listen to that. It, did, it, it didn't do me any good working with these teenagers at Menninger Clinic to tell them that the drugs were bad the drugs yeah. were illegal yeah. if they kept using it they wouldn't they might not graduate they <laughs> might not go to college and they might not get a job they didn't care about any of that but but what did they care about what captured their attention was the neuroscience when i talked to them about the brain when i showed them how the brain worked when i showed them how drugs worked within the brain that caught their attention that they were interested in excellent all right. I told you I'd give you the last word. <laughs> Sorry. All right, That's people, okay. you know how to get a hold of me, Brendan at dadsww.com, and uh, hit us up on Instagram. Give us a like and uh, and share the show. And then, uh, you know what? We're on Facebook, too. You can go over there as well. And, uh, and don't forget to love this episode and go buy Richard's book. Come on. Jeez. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Later. Dads worldwide. Loyal listeners, possibly you. you.